Amen. <clears throat> well, today we are, as I mentioned earlier, concluding a sermon series that we've entitled Family Matters. And over the last six weeks or so, we've been looking at topics like marriage and parenting. We've looked at finances and how we handle conflict. Uh, and we've kind of been doing that with the hope of finding hope and direction for our family life with God. And if you were here with us last week, Pastor Dudley uh, spoke very powerfully, I think, on parenting and how we are called to love our families, to love our spouses, and love our kids. But above all of that, we're called to love God well. And when we do love God well, it has an immeasurable impact on our families. And so from there, as we conclude this, today I want us to think about how as we love God well, we can learn to share our faith with our families, with the people that God has placed so close to us. How do we do that? How do we begin to think about God in our life in a way that we're sharing what he has done and who he is with our family members? And some of you may say, well, that's kind of a, a strange topic, sharing your faith with our family members and our kids. My family is a, a Christian family. We go to church, you know, we, we bring the kids. They go to VBS. They go to Awana clubs. My kids go to the student ministry and the youth group. But all of us are called to something. All of us, whether you are a young parent, an older parent, a grandmother, grandfather, a husband, a wife, we are all called to share the gospel with the people closest to us. The people that God has placed in your life and in my life, God is asking us to speak the truth of the good news of Jesus to them regularly. And that's the key word I want us to think about this morning, to do it regularly. And so with that in mind, the big question that I want us to think about this morning is this. What is at the center of our family life? What is at the center of our family life? And that is a big question. It's a very broad question. But however you and I answer that, I think is going to go a long way in determining what our family life is like. And I think the answer to that question may be different for all of us, right? And I'm not just talking this morning. I'm hoping not to just talk to families who have younger children or teenagers, no matter what position you have in a family now, whether you are uh, older with grandkids, whether you are single, for those of you who are caring for aging parents right now, the question remains, what is at the center of our family life? And I think if we're honest about those answers, we may say things like, well, Health has been a big part of our family life. It's kind of at the center of things right now. We're, we're praying for health or for kids with good grades. We're hoping for good grades and college acceptance and athletic achievement. We're all hoping for financial security and stability. That's kind of at the center of the things we hope for for our family. One of the things that I think our culture has kind of subconsciously brought us to all want is this hope that we have that somehow if we can get the equation right, our kids will have the same kind of middle class, upper middle, upper middle class life that we have. And if we can get all the schools right and all the tests and the athletics and the colleges right, well then they're going to have what we have 
or more. And often those are the things that can take up the center of our family life. But I want to take us this morning to a passage in the Old Testament where I think God lays out for us what should be at the center of our family life. And I want to turn your attention to Deuteronomy 6. This is an important passage in the Bible. It's going to be on the screen. You can turn in your Bibles as well. And starting in verse 4, this is Moses writing to the people of Israel just before they go into the promised land, this great long journey that they've had through the wilderness and they're poised to go into the promised land and Moses says, this is what I want you to take with you. This is how you are to live. Look at these verses in verse four, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not what? Forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses is saying, you're headed into this new life, right? And here are the things that are awaiting you, all these things that I've given to you. But it will be easy to forget. And so here is what I want you to do. Here is how you are to approach your life, your family life, so that you will not forget. And so if we're asking the big question this morning, what is at the center of our family life? We're told here that it's meant to be God. God is meant to be the very center of our homes, of our life with one another. Our homes are meant to be filled with God, talking about him, reading about him, going to bed thinking about him, waking up thinking about him. This is what life is with God is meant to be. And so this morning, and this is on your outline, if we're attempting to make God the center of our family life, I want us to see three ways that I think our faith then is shared with God at the center, three ways our faith is shared with our families. And the first is this, by leading a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. We lead a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. If God is at the center of our families, then we live with these daily opportunities to be grateful and to be thankful for what he has done for us, what he has given to us. And first and foremost, for the follower of Jesus, what we are most thankful for is God's love for us. His love that he has shown us in Jesus and it's that love of God that is meant to fill our homes. And so to live a life of gratitude and thanksgiving, we are called to live in the love of God. 
to have that be what is filling our hearts and filling our homes. Remember verse four of that passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you see, gratitude for that love, for God's love for us, leads us to love him, to love him more. And when we live in the love of God, as that's captivating our hearts, we are, we are moved to want to share that love with those who are closest to us, those in our families. It leads us to love him more and to love those around us more. And that good news, that that is possible, is so necessary because the bad news of the gospel is that without that love, without the love of God shown for us in Jesus, we're lost. We're separated from God, separated from ever experiencing that love for us. And that has been the plight of humanity from the very beginning. When sin came into the world, we sought to go our own way, to figure life out on our own, to find love on our own. And that has just brought sin into our lives and wreaked havoc on us personally, on our family life, and on the world. But God's love has come to us in Jesus. And the bad news of the gospel tells us because God is holy and just, the sin that has separated us from him has to be punished. It has to be done. Something has to be done about it. And that is where the love of Christ steps in. That as Jesus comes to earth, he lives the perfect life that we could never live. And he goes to the cross showing his love for us to be punished in our place so that we then can begin to experience the love of God for us once more. And his resurrection from the dead then means that not only do we have this hope of eternal life with God, but right now, right now where we are, we experience this newness of life, this ability to be able to live in the love of God even in our family life, even with the people who are closest to us. That is how the good news of Jesus can impact everything. And it should lead us to be grateful and to be thankful and when you are a person in your family who is grateful and thankful for what God has shown to you in Jesus, then that is going to have a tremendous impact on the people close to you. It is. Through that, we share our faith. But secondly, this morning, I want us to see how we can share our faith with our families by living a life that remembers what God has done. We're grateful for what he's done for us, but we also remember all the times that he has shown up in our lives, all the ways that he has brought us to where we are. Moses says to the Israelites in that passage, listen, love the Lord your God, but now here's all the things I want you to do so that you remember me, remember what I've done. Do it in your homes, impress it on your children, talk about it, do do the very things, the traditions that you'll instill in your family life that will remember that I am the one who loves you and that I am at the center 
of your life. This is what he says in verse 10. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, be careful that you do not what? Forget the Lord. He's the one who has brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. So he's telling us that we have this human problem of forgetting, of wandering, of beginning to think after a period of time that all of the things that we have done are because of us and not because of the Lord. And listen, I'm sure the Israelites would have said to Moses, how could we ever forget? I mean, look at all the ways that God has provided. Look at all the things that he's done, you know, to bring us here. We're ready. Let us go in. We're ready and excited. We won't forget. But their parents forgot. Just a generation earlier, they're coming out of Egypt, and if you remember the story, the Red Sea is parted, and they move in towards the promised land. And then one day, Moses is just spending a little too much time with God, and they start to panic And they create this golden calf and they start worshiping it. Even after all that God has done. We're prone to wander and forget. And now here's kind of where I want to make this a little bit more practical for you and me. We may be tempted to say the same thing like the Israelites. You know, well, I'm a a Christian. I I go to church. Um, God, I'm thankful for what you've done in, in my life. Um, I'm not going to forget that. And then a few months later, we realized things like, you know, I haven't read my Bible in a really long time. Or God, uh, it's dawning on me that, that I haven't prayed in months. Um, and this kind of hits close to home. Uh, you know, the kids have been sick and, and the weekend trips to Disney and, and the soccer games on Sunday, and all of a sudden, I realized, we haven't been to church in like eight weeks. It's easy to wander and forget. And all of these things have the opportunity to shape our family life. And I don't say that to be overly confrontational this morning. I say it because it's just so easy to happen that the habits of our life begin to drift us away to where we do not remember what God has done enough and impress that on those close to us. And so I wanna give us just two things, hopefully, that can help us remember more often and more clearly, and they are very simple. The first is that we live committed to worship. What we're doing here today, gathered here, I read a fascinating article this week that talked about the incredible importance of parents demonstrating real faith to their children. And it was actually a study done by Harvard at the Center for Human Flourishing. And it found that parents who bring up their children religiously can be reassured that on average they are creating important psychological and behavioral health benefits that their children will carry them into adulthood and one of the researchers Tyler Vanderweel said that children who were raised in a religious or spiritual environment were subsequently better protected from the big three dangers of adolescence 
depression, substance abuse, and risk-taking. Compared with no attendance, at least weekly attendance of religious services was associated with greater life satisfaction and positive affect, a number of character strengths, lower probabilities of marijuana use and earlier sexual initiation, and fewer lifetime sexual partners. A religious upbringing, the researcher said, also was shown to contribute towards a number of positive outcomes, such as greater happiness and more volunteering in the community, a greater sense of mission and purpose, and higher levels of forgiveness. And listen to this as it concludes. As adults, children who attended religious services regularly were 33% less likely to use illicit drugs, 30% less likely to start having sex at a young age. They were also 87% more likely to have high levels of forgiveness and 47% more likely to have a high sense of mission and purpose. Harvard University. Now the reason I share all of that with you is to not just give you a laundry list of statistics for why you should go to church. But we're talking about how we are going to share our faith with our families, how it's going to be real for them. And I think one of the simplest, most profound ways that we do that is simply by committing to worshiping at church every week. Being here, committing to a local church, bringing your life into fellowship with a local church. And not just this, just to make it super clear. Not just to say, well, you know, I'm here because I'd like my kids to grow up with a good foundation. You know, I know that faith is important and it's good for them to go to church. And and I'm just here kind of for them. And I like the church here because they've got a lot uh, for my kids. I think this study is showing us and maybe our experience also will tell that our kids are gonna see through that. Eventually, they're going to see that as not very credible. And what our families need to see is live, credible faith that impacts everything about our lives. Something that is real. Because if it's not that, then we're told, and I think we know the stories, that as our kids get older, they'll wander and leave also. Look at these words from the Apostle Paul, just something that I typically give as our benediction when I have the opportunity, how important it is to worship. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to encourage you all to really consider how impactful it is to commit to worship, to being a part of this gathering each and every week, not just for you personally, but for all of our families. But secondly, another way we do that is by committing to rhythms of grace. And what do I mean by that? Rhythms of grace. Certainly coming to church is important. We've just said that. 
but the whole of our life needs to have God at the center. And this is true not just for families with kids, but for all of us. Our home life, our personal life needs to have God at the center. And so the question is, how are we filling our lives in our homes with more and more of God's presence? And one of the ways we do that is by setting up rhythms or patterns of life, habits that are going to bring more of God's presence regularly into our life. And some of these things seem obvious. Things like reading the Bible, really committing to personally doing that, or committing to reading the Bible together with those that are closest to us. Our, our, our spouses, our kids, our extended family when we gather for meals, whatever it may be. We are called to set up these things. This is what Moses is talking about. All of your life, when you lie down, when you wake up, I am meant to be a part of that. And parents, there are all kinds of resources that I could give to you or encourage you with to think about how you can do that in your homes with your kids or your teenagers. But for all of us, adults, what are the habits and rhythms that we're putting in our life that is making God more the center of our life? Is it a Bible reading plan that you're daily committing to? Is it a small group that's coming alongside you to encourage you to do that? Maybe it's a journal that you're actively taking part in each and every day and you're spending that time where you're writing down your thoughts, your feelings, whatever it may be, there needs to be a regular rhythm of life that helps us remember God, that he is meant to be at the very center. I'll read you this passage from Psalm 78. It's so beautiful and it is soaring. It's one of those passages that I think that is just a soaring passage for what is possible in our life with God. Look at what it says. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, for us, and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to what? Teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. And what is the hope of all that? Then they would put their trust in God and would not, what? Forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. That is what God is calling us all to. And here at our church at BBCC, as important as all this is that we're doing this morning and all that your children are experiencing this morning and your students and all the time we're gonna get to enjoy each other's company, as important as all that is, it cannot be the only way and the only time that we are encountering Jesus each and every week. It has to be more. God has to be at the center of our whole life. And so it can't be just here. It can't be just the church providing that for you or for your families. But there's one more way today as we begin to close that I wanna share how I think we can bring faith to our families, how we can share our faith with our families. And it is by living a life that is continually 
open to our family. I don't have to convince you that family can be difficult and that relationships can be hard. And so being open to our families can sometimes be difficult, remaining open to them. But a life committed to being open to those who are closest to us, I think, is going to bring the opportunities to share our faith clearly with them. And the first way I think we do that, whether you are a brother, sister, grandmother, grandfather, mother, father, is by committing to prayer. As you commit to pray for your family, you're gonna pray for the needs and the things that are going on in their life and in your family life. And those are good things to pray for. But I hope that all of us will also be praying that each and every member of our family will come to be captivated by the love of God. That God loves them more deeply than they would ever know. That that is a burning desire and prayer in our life for our kids, for our husbands and wives, for our mothers and fathers. That that prayer, God, would you captivate them by your love? And when we pray like that, when we're committed to praying like that, then I think we need to be ready, present and ready for God to move. Then it's up to God to move and to do something, to bring the opportunities for us to speak the good news of Jesus to them, something that only he can do. Maybe there's a relationship in our family that we have no earthly idea of how God will work it out. But when we commit to prayer like that, we're ready and we're open for God to bring that opportunity. When will it happen? When do all these opportunities come to, to speak the good news of Jesus to our family members? I don't know. Some of you have young children and you're overwhelmed by that moment when they start to ask questions about faith and Jesus and God and you sense that this is the moment to be open and ready to clearly share and lead them to a place where they can receive Jesus and believe for themselves. How wonderful is that, to be open and ready for it, to pray for it. Some of you I know have been praying for family members for years and years to know the love of God for them. And even at deathbeds and in hospital rooms, you've been waiting for that opportunity and sometimes God has brought it and you speak the truth of what you know, of what God has done for you to this person who means so much to you. A big part of it is being ready and present when God brings that opportunity. And here at BBCC, we really believe that when we gather to worship, one of the things we want to accomplish is that all of us, all of you, hear the good news of Jesus each and every week. When we share the bad news and the good news of the gospel, it is for those who come to hear it perhaps for the first time. It's also for all of us to be reminded of what God has done for us. But it's also meant to train you to lead you to the place where after hearing that and letting it sink down deep into you, when you have those opportunities with the people close to you, you can clearly share from your own heart the good news of Jesus. To do that, though, you have to be open and ready and willing. It's what Peter calls us to in this beautiful passage 
He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And sometimes that will be the person that you live with. And how wonderful is that to share that good news, that hope with those most close to us. And so as we conclude this morning, some of you may have these opportunities happening in your life right now or you're praying for them. What does it look like for you to commit to that prayer that God's love would captivate their hearts and then be ready and open looking for those opportunities to encourage and share the good news of Jesus with them. Give you an example of this from my own life. A couple of months ago, uh, we had a a family member uh, die and we gathered uh, for a funeral at the funeral home and uh, the service was in the cemetery. It was a small service. It was a beautiful day. And we had our kids with us and we sat through the service and I sat in the front row with my son who's six and a half years old and uh, this was the first experience he'd ever been in a cemetery before and, and so he was wide-eyed and we sat through the service which was wonderful and, and then I said, Oliver, let's just wait. And we waited because I wanted him to see what was gonna happen next. And they placed the body in the ground and these three gentlemen came and they started to bury to pour the dirt on and we watched the whole process and I could tell that he was swelling up with questions and thoughts and we watched the whole thing happen and then as they concluded I said Oliver let's go and thank them and shake their hands because of the honorable work that they're doing and so we went and we shook their hands and we said thank you for doing what you do and then we walked back to our car and I asked Oliver, you know, what do you, what do you think about all this? And he had a couple of thoughts and he was a little, you know, kind of unsure. And, and I had this opportunity with my son to talk about death and resurrection. That we believe that death is real. That's not something we can avoid or hide from our kids. It's something that we have to walk into. But the good news of Jesus tells us that though Jesus died for our sins and though he was buried in the ground he was raised to new life and our hope as Christians is that that power of death that fear of death cannot be held over us any longer that the hope of the resurrection allows us to experience new life that changes the way we live that gives us hope for the future and now to not fear those things any longer. That's an opportunity. That's an open door to let the things of life and the circumstances of life give us a moment to share the good news of Jesus, what we believe with those closest to us. And so my prayer this morning as we conclude is that you would become aware of all of those moments to fill your life with God and speak the truth of the good news to your kids, to your wife, to your husband, to your brothers, sisters, whatever it is. And let's pray that God would give us more and more opportunities to do so for his glory and for us to experience more of his love. Amen? Let's pray in Jesus' name. 
Father, thank you. We pray in your name, Lord, that we would experience more of you in our life, that our lives would be full, Lord, be full of your presence. And Lord, we recognize that we struggle with that, that we are prone to wander and forget, fill our lives with all different kinds of things and some of them very good things. But God, would you draw us back to this call that we are meant to have you at the center of our life and not just us personally, but for our families that our kids would see our faith as real and credible, something to believe in, and that, God, we would never lose hope for those who are closest to us, no matter how far they've run, where they've gone, that we would be present and ready and open to sharing the good news of Jesus with them. Lord, may we begin to experience more of this Lord, I pray that we'd hear reports of people being able to share their faith with their families in new ways, in ways that stick. And may you be praised through all of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.